At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke. Presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to another edition of the Chicago City Cast, folks. Danny Burke, your host, here as always. And remember, as always, you can follow along on the tweets at DannyBurke5. And you can also get a hold of my main show, Rush Hour, which goes Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook in Des Plaines, Illinois. If you can't make it down, though, be sure to check it out on VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app. That's V-S-I-N. Dot com And, of course, the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, as well as YouTube TV, and then iHeartRadio. So wherever you get your podcasts available, you can get Rush Hour and all of Eason's 24-7 content. Lots to talk about on today's episode. Man, how about them White Sox? Rinse and freaking repeat with that bullpen. We'll get into that momentarily. I'll preview the Cubs and Giants game tonight. I do have a best bet in that game. It's going to be a late one out on the West Coast, but I'll let you know what that play is in a second. And then in the second part of this episode, let's talk a little college football. Beeson's College Football Betting Guide has been released. So much information, content, advice, uh, tips, and strategy for setting your power ratings. I mean, just amazing amazing information all around and you can get a hold of it it's literally chock filled with information on every single team over 300 pages get yourself set up and head over to vison.com let's get things beginning in baseball though the white Sox afternoon game coors field yesterday we were feeling pretty good right i mean the white Sox had a solid win the night before it wasn't the most comfortable win 
we cashed in on it from rush hour. We actually went 2-0 and that night. We had the Mariners with some ninth-inning heroic comeback plays that got us dub, and then the White Sox holding on by one run. So we went 2-0 and that night. And then last night, geez, just to get it out of the way really quick, a uh, terrible outing from the Blue Jays. Had them on the run line. No Arenado, no Yadier Molina, no Goldschmidt, and the Blue Jays looked pathetic and lost. So we couldn't cash the run line at minus 114, so we moved to 51-43-2 this year in Major League Baseball. But uh, going back to the White Sox, look, they had a nice win game one against the Rockies. I thought there was a solid advantage in that spot with Kopech against Marquez, right? Both pitched really well, despite being at Coors Field. The next day, what, you got Sensatella, was it, taking the bump for the Rockies? And then Giolito, who gave up a three spot in the first inning. And then I'm like, yep, that's why betters, like I've been saying, are just automatically looking to fade Giolito. But hold up, the White Sox come back. Who'd have thunk it? In a hitter's ballpark against a poor pitching team and a terrible bullpen, the White Sox are able to come back, take advantage against Southpaws in that bullpen for which, whatever reason, the Rockies threw out there, but the White Sox were able to overcome a 3-0 deficit and, long story short, make it 5-3. The sportsbook was going crazy at Bet Rivers. Everybody was betting the Sox. And I'm sitting there in the booth thinking, man, even though it may not look like it on paper, these would be two huge and crucial wins for the White Sox. You may scoff at the fact of us saying that if you're an outsider going, <laughs> you beat the Rockies. Look at the record, dude. Come on, realize this. The Rockies, like we talked about, are a different team at home. They still have a lot of talent, and for any pitcher to go to Coors Field on the road and get a win or just a team to do that is still impressive, despite how just really how much lack of success you've seen out of the Rockies. It doesn't mean they're not a tough out. It doesn't mean these games are not important to a team like the White Sox, especially because your division leader, Minnesota, lost yesterday. So they're up 5-3. to three. I noticed they're not throwing Hendricks out there. Is that the worst option to do that? No. I, I don't think you're in a winnable situation regardless because you just always have bullpen frustrations, just like the Cubs have had in years past. You bring in Graveman. He walks two guys. And then he loads the bases. And I think like when it was 3-0 and to the second guy, I tweeted out. I was like, oh, Sox bullpen off to a great start and did the uh, Heath Ledger Joker. And here we go, GIF. And that's exactly what ended up happening. Unbelievable. Bases loaded, gives up a single after already bringing in a run. Two runs then score. The Rockies win 6-5. to Look. At that point, you probably just would have rather have had the Sox lose the game like 5-3 to three themselves or 3 nothing or something. That's a demoralizing loss. Your boys scraped and battled back and overcame a deficit in a tough environment to give you the lead going into the ninth and you pull those shenanigans. You had the momentum from, okay, you split four games against the Guardians, fine, no harm, no foul. You win that first game against the Rockies. Let's go. We're feeling good. Game two, you have a good comeback. The morale is high. You can feel this tide kind of turning. Maybe I was the only one feeling it, but I'm like, if the White Sox win this game, this will be the new team that you see coming the second half. And they could feel it too. You could sense it. You could see it. And then they blow it, and you're like, my goodness, we are right back where we started with this infuriating team. 
that has bad managing, bad bullpen tendencies, all of the above, frustrating as all hell. The Sox couldn't take advantage of that game and the Twins losing. I'm telling you, I mean, that win would have been huge. Even though you may not seem like it, and I could be over-exaggerating, we're still in July, and it's the second series in the second half. But come on, that puts a damper on you. I mean, if you've ever played a sport, you know if you have a big comeback win like that, you blow it, or you have just some kind of similar circumstance such as that, that's going to deflate you. Now, luckily, the White Sox have the day off today, but still, the difference in morale and just mood and mentality if they win that game as opposed to losing it in that fashion is night and day how does that affect them in the next game i don't know we'll have to see that's tough though that is really damn tough and that sucks your boys battled back the good news is you at least get the oakland a's at home for your next series but could you imagine you would have been on a four-game win streak with the A's coming to town, and we'd be having a much different conversation about the Sox and them winning the AL Central. But is it the worst thing from a betting perspective? Because the Sox are now three games back, so they did make a little bit of a climb. The Guardians won last night. They're one and a half games back. But you see the Twins now as a short shot at plus 115 as opposed to the White Sox in that spot. The White Sox are now plus 145. The Guardians are plus 375. Still don't think the Guardians are going to win it, but I wouldn't disagree if you said that's where the value is because they're only a game and a half back. And I'm going to keep updating on this. I know I've already said that I've been invested in the White Sox at minus 110 in the month of May. And if you didn't like them at plus 115 heading into the second half, even though... They had an embarrassing loss last night. You have seen that offense take a turn, at least enough. I'm not saying they've been dominant, but they got that momentum that they needed. They had stupid mistakes. I mean, Lurie Garcia getting thrown out at third. What are we doing? Is this peewee? But what I'm saying here is if you still haven't gotten invested or if you just really like what you see, plus 145, they're giving you a better price, even though they have narrowed down their lead or narrowed down their deficit, I guess, to the Twins. I'm just saying, I mean, plus 145 is better than plus 115, and the Sox are playing the A's this upcoming series. You have to imagine they get a couple of dubs there. So now would probably be your chance to take it if you think the Sox can go, go, go now. They flip that switch. But that loss stings. It really does. Because it's just the same damn frustrations with the bullpen. And that's how, like, the Sox could go on an absolute tear offensively for the rest of the year. But deep down, you'd know they're not a World Series team because of situations like yesterday. And I get it. Your main closer wasn't there, Liam Hendricks. But do you have that much confidence in Hendricks? The dude gave up a solo jack the night before and made it scarier than it needed to be. You just take it step by step if you're the White Sox. Just focus on game by game and trying to win your own division. But man... Oh, man, that makes it pull your hair out. And I'm salty because, yeah, I want the White Sox to do well. I want to cash that ticket at minus 110. But it's always, or always, it's almost comical, I want to say, as a Cubs fan. Because you had those same frustrations with your bullpen a couple years back. 
and just being a Cubs fan in general. I mean, it's always kind of funny to see that happen with the White Sox, but it's not even out of spite at this point. It's just like, it's just like a shocked humor, a mad humor. Like, <laughs> of course, I'm just not even surprised. Like that type of mentality. I don't know. But man, something's got it. You, you can't have that. You cannot have that. But that's what it's looking like on the south side front. Let's move on to the north siders. The Cubbies, the Red Hawk Cubs at that, come in to Oracle Park out on the west coast on a six-game winning streak. Conversely, they get the Giants, who are on a seven-game losing streak. Yikes, who will come through and which streak will break? Well, Justin Steele, he's going to be taking the bump for the Cubbies tonight. The southpaw is 4-6 and six with a 4.02 ERA. However, his FIP indicates he could be better, 364. But then you see a Sierra at 429, and he's got a high whip of 142. Now, Steele's doing pretty well in the strikeout department, about 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. But he's also vulnerable to walking a decent amount of guys, 4.2 walks per 9 innings. He's been able to limit his home runs, 8.6% home run-to-fly ball ratio, and his last start at Philadelphia was really solid. Five innings pitched, four hits allowed, one earned run, only two strikeouts, but the Cubs were able to win that game 15-2. What scares you with Steele is not only his volatility, but that he's struggling more so on the road. Where on the road, he has an ERA of 5.23 and a WOBA of 327, but his FIP is 380, so his ERA of 523, not as bad as he should be. But I still am a little scared and hesitant to want to trust Steele on the road. By the way, if you're maybe looking for some trends in terms of what hitters have done well, uh, Wilmer Flores is 3-for-3 three three with one home run and three RBIs against Justin Steele in his career. Something notable to throw out there. Speaking of lefty pitchers, the Giants will throw one out there tonight. Alex Wood, the southpaw, is 6-8 with a 421 ERA. And you're like... Okay, Alex Wood has not done good at all. That's just not the case. Because he's got a 126 whip, which is fine. But then you look at his FIP, it's at 333, and his Sierra is at 335. You're like, what the hell is happening? Why is his ERA so high? Look, long story short, he's one, kind of getting unlucky. And two, his whole team and his defense ain't helping him out too much. The dude's got a 9.2 strikeout per nine innings to 2.2 walks per nine innings ratio. That's pretty damn good. Now, his home run to fly ball ratio is a tad bit high at 13%, but when you're pitching at home at Oracle Park, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt by limiting home runs. And he's pitching better at home. He's got a 395 ERA and a 271 FIP and a 312 WOBA. And he's only given up three earned runs throughout his last four starts. So don't just consider the record in ERA. Look at those underlying stats that we talk about ad nauseum. And you will see why there is a reason that the betting market favors Wood in this spot. And aside from just Wood, you got the Giants offense who, yes, as of late, they have been abysmal and beyond that. But against lefties at home, they're the second best team in this specific split. They got an 830 OPS, a 354 weighted on base average, and a 136 weighted runs created plus. My goodness, they love hitting lefties at home. As for the Cubbies, yeah, they're okay against lefties, but nothing in comparison to the Giants. 
741 OPS for the Cubs versus lefties overall this season. 322 Woba, and then a 105 WRC+. It's okay. Just okay. But after Alex Wood pitches, if he can't give you like six to seven innings, are you willing to invest in this Giants bullpen? They're bad. I mean, they are bad. 441 ERA and a 141 uh, whip. Cubs bullpen slightly improving. 419 ERA and a 132 whip. Now, I get that the Cubs bullpen has been a little bit better, but I think this is kind of a pass for the Giants bullpen because of you just knowing that the Cubs bullpen can be atrocious from time to time, even though they have improved, right? What is the mentality like for the Cubs here, right? You know you're kind of shipping off Happ and Contreras soon enough. You had your big send-off to them with the last home game that they were able to get a dub. It was awesome. And sad at the same time, naturally, as a diehard Cubs fan. You had your day off. Does that kind of kill the heat of your winning streak? You get a Giants team that is a squad where desperation levels are at an all-time high. And you would have hoped that they would hit rock bottom at this point. By the way, my regret this season, and I was so close to doing it, was taking the Giants' win total under, and I did not do it. I figured they would regress. A lot of people I was listening to on their podcasts kind of talked me out of it, saying that, oh, they'll still be there fighting. I was like, oh, will they? I mean, they overexceeded last year. You got to think they're going to get worse. Long story short, this is why you got to trust your gut sometimes. Sorry, little side rant. But where did I make this line for this game? Well, I think the Giants should be the favorite, and in my head, I also thought, where would the books make this? I kind of figured maybe they might exaggerate it a little bit more so than I would, but because of how bad they've been as of late, and even though the Cubs are the Cubs, they've been a hot team, maybe it won't be too overinflated. And in comparison to my opening line, it wasn't. I opened the Giants minus 140. I thought they would be like minus 145 or above. But Ben Rivers opened up minus 139. We're right there, right next to each other. I made the Cubs a plus 125 underdog. Bet Rivers made the Cubs plus 118. I opened the total 7.5. It's not a hitter's ballpark. Uh, Alex Wood has been pitching really well. Yes, the Giants crush lefties at home, but they have not been hitting well as of late. And Steel can't surprise you from time to time. So I opened at 7.5. Bet Rivers opened at 8. That. Seems completely fine to me because a lot of books moved down to seven and a half and have gone back up to eight. So it's been ping-ponging back and forth from seven and a half to eight. So the openers, we are very close to each other. Currently, though, the Giants did get steamed a little bit. Not much, just a little at Bet Rivers. They're now up to minus 143. And the Cubbies are plus 120. Totals currently at eight. Overs minus 110. Unders minus 108. Run line if you want to take it with the Cubbies. Plus one and a half is minus 175. And the Giants laying a run in the hook. Plus 145. Some decent value there with the Giants, perhaps. But you can't trust that bullpen, right? I'm going to fade the Cubs in this spot. That's going to be my play here. You do a little bit of shopping around in this morning. You can find a price of about minus 137, upper minus 130s. And that's what I laid here. Giants money line minus 137. Yell at me. Shake your fist, whatever it is. I get it. Cubs are hot. Giants are not. Why wouldn't I bet the Cubs here? Well, I told you. I mean, Justin Steele, he's struggling on the road. The Giants absolutely dominating against lefties at home. What does that equal? I think a bad performance out of Justin Steele. 
Now, if the issues of the bullpen kind of scare you with the Giants, then consider something with the first five with San Francisco. And that's something I might flirt with a little bit as well. But I feel comfortable enough for Alex Wood to carry you deep, the Giants offense to provide enough runs for them to win you this game. Because if you look at the money line for the first five, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. It's minus 152 at Bet Rivers. You could do the lead after first five innings, and there the Giants are minus 109. So I don't hate that angle, right? I mean, it's the minus half run line bet. So are the Giants going to be leading going into the top of the six? I think they will. So, yeah, if you want a cheaper price, I think Giants minus 109 lead after five innings is a very solid bet as well. But I guess, I don't know. I would just, I'm just fine laying the minus 137 for the full game because the Giants need this. And I think they'll get it. Now, if the price was minus 148 or higher on the money line, yeah, I'd probably then opt into the lead after five innings. But I always prefer betting the full games as opposed to the first five innings because sometimes things can go wonky. And then sometimes you miss out on the team you're backing getting the advantage of a bad bullpen that they can score more runs. So if the Giants happen to be losing or it's a close game or it's tied, whatever it is, well, then hopefully they can get to the Cubs bullpen. But I think they'll be able to do that earlier in the game, meaning just score enough runs. So yeah, whichever way you bet it, I think you'll be okay, but I'm playing the Giants on the money line for the full game at the price of minus 137. All right, more baseball tonight on Rush Hour. Looking to bounce back from that bad loss last night with the Blue Jays. Make sure you tune in 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, vcin.com and the Marquee Sports Network. Quick break here on the CityCast. When we bring it back, let's head to the gridiron collegiately, folks. VEASAN's college football betting guide is out and about. So let's talk a little college football, baby. Hit some Big Ten next here on the Chicago CityCast. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. All right, time to dive into some college football here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. And where else you can dive into college football is at VEASAN.com because our college football betting guide is out and about. And my goodness, is it loaded with tons and tons of information on every single team, conference, and all the different ways you can bet them. Tells you how many players are returning on both sides of the ball, their schedule, their schedule last year, power ratings where the market's moving on them, all of the useful content to help make you a better handicapper. VEASAN's College Football Betting Guide has got you provided with it. All 131 FBS teams are previewed. Like I said, you get picks on the conferences. You get college football playoff value bets. And we talked about power ratings. Steve Magnin will give you his and will tell you how to create your own power ratings. And that will help you become better in your journey to winning on college football. But when I was looking at this guide, 
And I didn't even get close to finish. I mean, there's so many pages, which is amazing because you got still plenty of time to look into it. Maybe not plenty of time, but you got a little bit less than a month or right there at a month. But naturally, I flipped to the Big Ten because that's my conference and that's the conference I love to focus in on and especially on the Chicago City cast. Now, you probably don't want to hear me blah, blah, blah about my Nebraska Cornhuskers. But look, if we're being serious for a second, um, yeah, I like to make fun of them. I like to give them grief. I like to complain. And rightfully so. I think I've earned that paying money for tuition at that school and how disappointing they've been since I've attended that university and been affiliated with it. That's beside the point. The point is, because of my familiarity with the program, and just still having kind of some connections down there in Lincoln, I feel like I have a pretty good taste on what to expect out of this team this season. And that will be improvements. So I'll spend a brief moment here on Nebraska, and then we'll move on to a couple other teams that I think could be worth an angle to bet on them. So with Nebraska, the thing with the Cornhuskers, and again, I'm You know, this is more for people who haven't heard me talk about it before. So apologies if I've been repetitive or beating the dead horse. But we're going to we're going to do a full dive on it regardless. You know, once we hit the month of August, that's when I'll be getting deeper into college football. But just to start a little bit today, um, this Nebraska team has made improvements in many different areas. Right. Most importantly, at the quarterback position. We all loved Adrian Martinez in the sense that the dude was putting his body out on the line every single week. His offensive line didn't help him. Heck, Scott Frost's play calling did not help him. He tried everything to be the top guy at this university. Got all the love and respect for him. Now he's at Kansas State. You're getting an improvement with Casey Thompson. Transfer quarterback from Texas. Got injured last year but was having a really solid year. And just overall performance being a part of the Texas Longhorns. But uh, now he's kind of been pushed out to the door and he wants a new opportunity. And Why not take it with a Nebraska team that has a favorable schedule this season, right? So last year, Thompson, in 10 starts, passed for 24 touchdowns. He got Purdy from Florida State as a transfer as your backup, if worse comes to worse. But Casey Thompson will be more of a, I guess you could say, organized quarterback pocket passer type of guy. Martinez was your leading rusher, which is cool, I guess, but you don't really want that in an offense that's not getting a lot of wins. Like if you're Lamar Jackson and you're MVP, you're doing that awesome. But if you're Adrian Martinez with a struggling Nebraska team, no, you want your quarterback to pass the ball. Martinez dealt with injuries. Casey Thompson, pocket passer type of guy, uh, bigger arm potentially, more accurate. He will be a great quarterback in this system. And speaking of this system, yeah, we were all applauding and praising Scott Frost for what he did down in Florida, and rightfully so. The Big Ten has been a different beast. Guess what? You actually have defenses and coaches who know what they're doing. The offense has stunk, plain and simple. Scott Frost calling the plays last year was terrible. I mean, his fourth and short decisions when he was like fourth and goal and trusting the field goal. I mean, so many bad things that it's just going (laughs) to raise my blood pressure if I think back on it. The point is here, as I calmly transition, Mark Whipple from Pitt will be calling the plays. And that will change the play calling for the better. Okay? Departed with Narduzzi. Now Narduzzi's calling him out. 
He'll have a chip on his shoulder, Will Mark Whipple, and he will get this offense in the right direction. So that will be good for Nebraska. Omar Manning, solid receiver. They got three starters coming back to the offensive line. Running back crew, well, remains to be seen in my opinion, but it's not too hard to plug and place in the running back position. Ramir Johnson's been there for a while, and Marquis Stepp had some good moments, so we'll see what they can produce. The positives for Nebraska last year was their defense. They had 10 starters returned for last year's defense, and they allowed just 22.7 points per game. This year, they do bring back only five starters, so that's not ideal, but what Frost and company did is they reloaded in the transfer portal, right? They got a lot of guys to help on the defensive end and just overall in the defense via the transfer portal. Nebraska was one of the top teams utilizing that this year, and the NIL is a big part of that. I mean, let's be honest. The Cornhuskers is all that Nebraska has, so their businesses are going all in to get these guys there. To pay these guys. I mean, look, that's the way it is. So be it. If they get wins at this point, do what you got to do. NIL's helping them. But also, aside from those, so what I'm saying, the, the defense should still be fine. But the big thing is you can get by with an okay defense as long as your offense is taking a huge improvement, which it should. But the schedule is nice. August 27th in Dublin. I will actually be at this game. They're taking on Northwestern. Can't wait. They're a double-digit favorite. They should win. It probably won't be by double digits because they'll make it uglier than it needs to be and uncomfortable. But that's just Nebraska-Northwestern, baby. Um, so Nebraska should start off with a win there. Then they get North Dakota at home. Should be a win. Then they get Georgia Southern at home. Should be a win. Then it's a big game. They almost, they played up competitive last year. They played everyone competitive last year. But now you get Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma, to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. 11 a.m. game. Sneaky time for an upset. Oklahoma losing. Williams losing. Your head coach. Uh, Can Nebraska take advantage in that spot? Look, it's not going to, most people are going to assume they lose. And and rightfully so. I'm not going to pound my fist here on the table and say they're going to win, but I actually think they have a good shot there. Oklahoma, a lot of turnover there. This is Scott Frost's year to get a big win, to make, well, really, yeah, to make the Big Ten championship game and obviously make a bowl game. Like, if he doesn't get production this year, he's gone, folks. As much loyalty as you think there is, the way the contract was negotiated and the way the rumblings are, like, he needs to win these games or he's booted. That's why he brought in a different coaching staff, out with the old, in with the new, who can kind of come over and take some of the workload off of Scott Frost back. It's not as easy as it was at UCF. So that's kind of a 50-50 spot for me. Nebraska taking on Indiana, the Hoosiers will be bad, and you get them at home. Nebraska on the road against the Scarlet Knights. Eh, Rutgers, they play some teams tough, but Nebraska should win. You play Purdue on the road, Purdue shouldn't be that good. You get Illinois at home, Illinois is not that good. You get Minnesota at home. If you were on the road against Minnesota, I would be very concerned for that game, but you finally got to overcome P.J. Fleck here. You go on the road to the big house against Michigan, you almost beat them last year, you probably should have, you'll lose that game. Uh, You get Wisconsin at home, I'm not high in Wisconsin, more on that momentarily. And people are chalking up the Nebraska-Iowa game in Iowa City as a loss. Do you not watch all these other games? They are always close. And I know Iowa, as of late, always wins. But Petrus is your quarterback? 
over Casey Thompson? Hell no. Get out of here. If Nebraska stays healthy and all things are going according to plan, maybe they go into that game with, you know, two, three losses. Nebraska can absolutely and should absolutely win that game. But long story short, I get the odds are high in Nebraska, and I kind of don't like that because now the expectations are higher. Uh, Their odds to win the Big Ten West are plus 250. They're only behind Wisconsin at plus 175. Minnesota comes at 4-1, Iowa 5-1, Purdue 7-1. We can't bet on Northwestern and Illinois. It's ridiculous, I know, but they're going to be at the bottom anyways. Their win total at Bet Rivers is very bullish on the Cornhuskers. It's at 8. The over, you're getting some good plus money. The under, you're laying a decent price. If you shop around, though, you can find 7.5 over under minus 110 each way. In an ideal world, I would lay like, Less than minus 150 to bet over seven wins on Nebraska. That I would hammer. Seven and a half, I would still bet the over, but I don't really want to at seven and a half. Because there is still some trepidation with this team. How could there not be? But when you look at that schedule, I see seven. Yeah, I see eight wins is definitely plausible, okay? Realistic is seven. Plausible is eight. Amazing year is nine. Your losses should be at Michigan. Maybe versus Oklahoma. But even still, I think Nebraska could win that game. Wisconsin, I think he can beat. Minnesota's going to be tough. Iowa's going to be tough, but you could beat them. I think this team could absolutely get to nine wins. So maybe over seven and a half is the right play. Maybe I'm too bullish on them, but I typically am harsh on them. But I'm just like, this has to be the year for Nebraska. The schedule sets up nicely. Scott Frost's seat is heating up. You brought in hopefully a better, more mature, precise quarterback in Casey Tom. I, I don't mean mature in terms of personality. Adrian Martinez was an incredibly mature man on and off the field. I mean, just mature in his game development, I guess you could say. Immaturity comes through the coaching staff, right? I mean, like Frost has just been dilly-dallying all this time, taking it easy. Now he knows the pressure is there. He brought in the big boys, the big guns. I'm not saying we're going to bet them to win the Big Ten West, but I would bet them over seven and a half wins. I might do it. I might not. I don't want to also be pissed if they stay under from from a fan perspective and a betting perspective. But in all seriousness, I do think they get to eight wins. That I do think. So if you get the seven and a half, yeah, I'd lean over. And you got to think I went way longer on Nebraska than I said I would, but you also got to think that that was inevitable. All right, let me talk about another team here really quick. I told you about the Wisconsin Badgers. Plus 175, they are your short shots to win the Big Ten West. Should they be? Well, they've typically been the top team for quite some time, but why are we putting them there after the gross year they had last year and really the gross offense they have had the past two years? Is it because they can plug and play in their trenches and the running back position in their defense? Okay, fine, sure. But also, Graham Mertz, what the hell are we expecting out of Graham Mertz here? We've been waiting for him to explode because he had one good game against Illinois, and I was one of those people who put him higher, you know, this past year than they ended up being. 
But the dude just clearly doesn't have it. I mean, he doesn't. The running game has carried you. Your defense has carried you. I think you outperformed offensively Notre Dame in that one game, and you still lost. Oh, my goodness. Look, Wisconsin, I think their win total at 8.5. The unders plus 112 at Bet Rivers. I may have to play that. Illinois State Week 1, you win. Washington State Week 2, you win. New Mexico State Week 3, you win. All right, there's three wins. You're on the road against Ohio State. That's a loss. You get Wisconsin or Illinois at home, four wins. Northwestern on the road, all right, five wins. Michigan State on the road, and I don't like that as a win. Purdue at home, six wins. Maryland at home, seven wins. Iowa on the road, don't like it. You're on the road against Nebraska, don't like it. You get Minnesota at home in your end-of-the-season rivalry, that's 50-50. Don't like it, but hey, even if you get it, that's eight wins, and you're under eight and a half at a plus-money price. So I think Wisconsin under eight and a half wins at plus 112 would be the right play. And I may end up making that. If it was like minus 125 or more to the under, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm not going to play it. But they're giving you plus money here just because of the expectations that are always set on Wisconsin. Have we forgot that their quarterback blows? The schedule is not that favorable. If they lose that game at Michigan State, I'll be feeling great about an under 8.5, knowing that they have to go to Iowa City, they have to go to Nebraska, and they have to take on a Minnesota team that offensively should be better than you. Under 8.5 seems like the move for Wisconsin. I haven't chopped around to see the best price, but Bet Rivers giving you plus 112 is a good indication of what we can get. But that's another one I'm looking at. And then the third one, if you're looking for some value to come out of the Big Ten West, why not be Minnesota at 4-1? to one? And I'm not saying I'm betting this because, of course, I want Nebraska to win. But objectively even, I think that Nebraska may have a better chance. Maybe not a better chance. But look, let me rephrase this. From an objective standpoint, if you're looking for pure value, the best bang for your buck has to be Minnesota. You get Tanner Morgan back in the mix. You get Ibrahim back in the tailback position, who's going to probably be the best running back in the Big Ten, if not one of the best in the country. Minnesota's always tough. Now, there were the rumblings about uh, P.J. Fleck and some of his former players not liking him and how he conducts practices and all this, and I believe it. I think the dude's nuts, but if he gets results, he gets results. But I don't know how that's going to translate to this upcoming season. You get New Mexico State Week 1, Western Illinois Week 2, Colorado Week 3. Those are three wins. You're on the road against Michigan State. That's tough. You get Purdue at home. That's a win. That's five. Illinois on the road, that should be six. Penn State on the road, you lose. Rutgers at home, that's seven wins. At Nebraska, you probably lose. Northwestern at home, that's eight wins. Iowa at home, eh, you toss that up in the air. And same with on the road to Minnesota, or Wisconsin, pardon me. So if you're getting seven and a half for Minnesota, which I believe is the case, uh, Minnesota, over seven and a half wins, minus 113. Don't hate that. And if you can get a book to give you the flat seven and you're paying more of a price, I really like that. Minnesota's offense should be fine. Their defense was great last year. Can they carry that over? They probably can. Honestly, at the end of the day, I think your top two teams in the Big Ten West are going to consist of Nebraska and Minnesota, 1A, 1B. And their game between each other, man, that's going to be huge by the time it happens. Iowa. 
yeah, you're always going to be solid in the trenches and a good defense and a running game, much like Wisconsin. But much like Wisconsin, you don't have a serviceable quarterback in Petrus and Mertz. They're not as good as Tanner Morgan and Casey Thompson, at least what we're presuming to be. So higher on Nebraska, higher on Minnesota, low on Wisconsin. I'm not, I haven't gotten into Iowa that much, but I'd rather fade Wisconsin than Iowa because Petrus is at least, I just said he wasn't serviceable. I guess he's serviceable, but like he's still not going to electrify an offense in a game to help you win. He's only going to prevent a loss. He's the Chase Daniel of Iowa. He's fine. He's Archie Diacono, like we talked about last week, right? He's probably not going to do, well, except Petrus will throw an interception. So maybe I won't give him the Archie Diacono nod of approval. But look, Petrus or Mertz, Mertz, you think the ceiling's higher. Petrus, you know what you're going to get, but Petrus can at least be okay. Mertz is just either absolutely awful or you get a great game out of him like he did against Illinois, but that was two years ago. So Lower on these guys, but more importantly, lower on Wisconsin. I'm I'm going to talk about this a little bit more extensively tonight on Rush Hour. Damn near might make it a best bet, seeing what the price we can get on Wisconsin under 8.5 wins is. And then Nebraska over 7.5, strong lean. Minnesota over 7.5. Let's see if we can shop around for a 7. That will be discussed tonight on Rush Hour. But excited about college football, folks, and you should be too. Make sure you get a hold of the college football betting guide at vsin.com. So much information, bunch of different analysts giving you the alternate perspectives that you wouldn't envision yourself, and that's why it's useful. Steve Mackinnon, Wes Reynolds, Matt Humans, Dave Tooley, Adam Kramer, a lot of great guys, a lot of great tools, and hopefully equals some winners for you this year. All right, that'll do it for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe so you get notified when the show is released as soon as possible. And always appreciate if you follow on Twitter at DannyBurke5 and catch my show Rush Hour Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Best of luck with your plays. Take care, folks.